the word like lead as far as like bullets that often are bullets may not have lead anymore uh shotgun shells are they yeah they have lead ones and steel ones you can't use lead ones for waterfowl hunting but lead shot you can use over land is uh lead toxic yeah i think so okay is that why you can't use it for birds for water because they yeah. don't want it going in the water well don't they have lead weights for fishing i don't know if they're lead anymore and they used to. I remember you could bite yeah. into them. Well, you're, yeah, that's how you clamped them on there. <laughs> well, technically, you're supposed to use the pliers, but come on. Come on. It, it's easier to use your teeth. God your very you. fragile teeth. God gave you pliers in your mouth <laughs> for a reason. So we've been probably poisoning ourselves every time we go fishing. Yeah. And like everything else we do ever. I remember, I don't know if you were this way, but I loved it. Like have my tackle box. And then I would, I would love when I'd get like a new lure, even though. It was like a lure I probably never even used, mm-hmm. but it was in there, and it was shiny. And it took up another one of the <clears> slots <throat> in, the, <throat> in the divided tackle box. <clears throat> I was the exact same way. <laughs> I even had a little name placard, a little gold Ooh. name placard from Fisherman's Monthly Magazine. Ooh, little Adam's no, tackle in box. No, In Fisherman. In Fisherman. That was the name of the magazine. In Fisherman. The in Fisherman. What's the, wasn't the big magazine the one that's like a store now? Bass. Bass Pro Shop. Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. yeah. Or was that, was now that a magazine? Now owned by Cabela's. Or the other way yeah. around, I can't remember. I know. I think all, it'd be hard to take over Cabela's. I thought it? it would be hard to take over Bass Pro Shop. Did you think so? Mm-hmm. Maybe they just merged to make more money. That's that has to be, and, and to just continue to fuck over Gander Mountain, <laughs> which I think is their main goal at this point. I mean, Gander just hasn't ever seemed as good as Cabela's. Like I'll I just, tell you, the, we'll we'll get right into the okay. episode, but for a little regional <clears throat> whatever here, okay. Mm-hmm. Gander Mountain <laughs> opened up a store in Owatonna, which is Cabela territory. That mm. used to be where the mm-hmm. Cabela's was. So Cabela was trying to open a, a location in Woodbury, but Gander, that was their turf, and Ooh. they blocked it on a city level for a long time. <laughs> and then finally, once it got in there, they closed within like half a year. Really? Gander Mountain, yeah. They pushed them right out. I was going to say, I always wondered why... There was never okay. They had one in Oatan and then Rogers. Yep, which is fucking forever from yep. here. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and then they. That is interesting because I didn't know that because the Woodbury one is very very new, very recent. I'm, have you ever wondered where they're getting all these like perfectly sculptured 
uh, carcasses of animals. They have identical ones they have in every single store. Yeah. Do those come off a production line somewhere? I, like, this I, um, is the Cabela's Bighorn that how, we're putting. How do they get so many perfect mountain goats that look exactly the same for every single store? I don't know. It's pretty good. Uh, but I, I always do. I always like their little waterfall monuments. I do like it. Uh, you know what you need to look up if you haven't? Like, failed taxidermy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's like students terrifying. learning to do taxidermy, and like the face will be like pulled back with like bulging ass eyes, oh or oh my gosh, uh, like <laughs> cats with weird legs, and it's awesome. It's not easy to make dead things look full of no, life. No, no, absolutely not. There's a lot of talent in that for sure. Oh yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam, sitting across from me as ever and always is Cody. Hello. Hello, Adam. How are you? How was your week? Oh my gosh, I'll tell you. So, I'm staying at Minneapolis, right? Mm-hmm. First time I've ever been near municipal garbage collection. Does this make sense? It's not a company that does it. It's the Minneapolis city that comes and takes your garbage and recycling. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's uh, mostly in major cities. St. Paul was pushing for it for mm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Here we are back to uh, local business zonings, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, they were fighting for a long time. But anyway, city garbage trucks. Uh, it's a new experience for me. So there you go. Really? Mm-hmm. Cody, you're also here. How was your week? Uh, it was good. I Not as much excitement with garbage trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Long, long week of working. I started... I finally bit the bullet, and I'm starting Borderlands 3, mm-hmm. which is very fun to play, actually. The shooting's, like, impeccable on that game. It um, is. Uh, they improved it a lot, but yeah, the story is kind of shit, I can tell. Yeah, it's memes. It's yeah, whatever. It's, but it's it's fine. Everybody it's... always talks about the writer that's not on it anymore. Like, guys, the, the story wasn't coherent from the beginning. It's some corporation and monster aliens and, like... Who fuck cares? You just I'm, shoot shit and get loot. That's they're just the, trying to get the unobtainium or whatever. The, okay, I want to ask one thing, because the recycling in America has always fascinated me, because I don't know if it's full bullshit or not. And I think I would guess, since Minneapolis seems to be f- a fairly progressive city, that they would want to take over, not only to help maybe lower income people, but also to make sure the recycling was done properly. That could be. Versus a trash company who is supposed to be recycling, but we don't actually know if they are recycling or not. I'll tell you what, they have very strict rules about what you can and can't put yeah. in their cans. We like, need, we, if In my opinion, we need to improve the recycling in the world because... Bold opinion. Yeah, it's... Well, <laughs> there's a lot of people who think it's stupid. I know. And just think it's like... Uh, get over it. Yeah, like, uh, look at Texas right now. Something's weird, in my opinion. We can't keep making single-use items that don't disintegrate. <laughs> Either no. things need to be reused or we have to stop making things. Those right. are the only two options. Right. Well, you want to talk about somebody who probably doesn't care much about recycling? Yeah, uh, not really, actually. I was hoping... <laughs> I was hoping we could do another okay. 20 minutes on recycling. Look, he is eco-friendly in the human body aspect, but like probably not trash. fluids? Well, yeah, he, like he, he makes sure he consumes anything that he kills. Gotcha. So, oh, there we go. Native American. <laughs> yeah. This week, we are going to be jumping into another big butt case involving someone 
who will show some of the worst brutality you may have ever heard on this show. But the unique thing about this individual is that even from childhood, it didn't seem like he even stood a chance. Mm. Mixing the perfect blend of displaying all of the signs of being a burgeoning serial killer and being an untreated and generally ignored paranoid schizophrenic will ultimately prove to be a very deadly combination. Yeah, that's not a good mix. The he He's a tough one because the first episode here is going to be mostly about childhood, how he grew up, how he acted in school, all that stuff. And I can't tell if if he wouldn't have been schizophrenic, would he have still been a serial killer? Because I think he he might have been, but if he didn't get treated so poorly, would he have been as much of a killer? I don't know, so because he was still schizophrenic, so right. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I can't not quite all, figure it out. Not all schizophrenics kill people. Right. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. I don't know if it's just because of X, it amplified Y, you know what I'm saying? It's I just, would say sugar spice and everything yeah. nice <laughs> is is exactly what you need with a little chemical X to make a Richard Chase. Well, I can tell you the puppy dog uh, tails thing would definitely apply to this man, as we're about to find out here. Um, yes, like you mentioned, the individual we will be talking about is, of course, Richard Chase, a.k.a. the Vampire of Sacramento, the Vampire Killer, the Dracula Killer, or just simply... Dracula, if he's feeling basic that day. Yeah, the vampire killer, that doesn't work. You don't like that's, that one? Well, that's who would be assigned to kill <laughs> Dracula. That's the Belmonts. You know what would be amazing for this story is if you had Richard Chase mm-hmm. and then he literally had like a um, Van Helsing chasing after him. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. A Van Helsing serial killer who was after him as well. Now, for all of you who don't know about Richard Chase, the blood references will make a lot of sense as we go through the story. Mm. Now, the source for this episode is Vampire Killer, a terrifying true story of psychosis, mutilation, and murder by Ryan Green. Now, I have something to say about Mr. Ryan Green here. Uh Uh-oh, spell that T. Okay. We've been spoiled by the likes of Harold Schechter and other good authors. Mark Leopold. Right. It's Ryan Green... I think his information's good, but he likes to write like he's writing a fictional book, yeah. but it's a true crime book. And so you would say he gets a little flowery in his prose? He, yeah, yeah, so it makes me not trust him much, but right. I think this information's okay, because I started reading another book, and it was about the exact same thing. It's, it's rough, because it, it's great. It really <clears throat> makes for a compelling book when it's all flowery and nicely written, but... Uh, and then the other side of the scale is when you get into the like pretty scientific books, mm-hmm. like written from <laughs> a pretty hardcore perspective. And it's very it, boring. Somewhere between is nice. <laughs> That's Schechter territory right there. That's he knows Schechter. how to he knows how to blend them perfectly. But uh, as far as I can tell, all the information's pretty pretty solid from Perfect. Mr. Green, and he's a British boy. It's funny when. <laughs> He calls everything petrol instead of gasoline. Mm-hmm. You can you can see his Britishness mm-hmm. coming out. Anthony Richard Trenton Chase was born on May 23rd, 1950 in Santa Clara County, California. His mother's name was Beatrice Chase, and his father's name was Richard Chase Sr. Mm. So I'm going to be calling him Richard Sr. and Richard Chase will be just Richard. Call him Dick Sr. Dick Sr. That's what you want to call him here. Okay. Now, even after Beatrice had arrived at the hospital ready to give birth to Richard, 
it became very apparent to the hospital staff there was a lot of friction between Beatrice and Richard Sr. displaying all of the signs of an unhappy couple. Yep. I'm sure they see it more than anyone, hospital Ye- staff. Yeah. Uh, and for the 50s, I'm sure they're just like, oh, they're just the typical nuclear family. Don't worry about them. Richard Sr.'s grumpy. He's going to get his <laughs> wife checked in, and then uh-huh. he's going to go down to the bar for a few beers. Well, what else this. are you supposed to do? Hey, that birthing's woman's work. <laughs> Richard Sr. from the onset seemed very uninterested in in his soon-to-be-born son, and his wife was manically shouting about her impending death. Whoa. What I mean by this is that she was insistent that she was going to die during childbirth. It had became an obsession in her mind. Now, you may be assuming this probably has to be a thought at the very least, that goes through most women's head during I would childbirth, say. especially if you're about to give birth in the 1950s. Mm. But Beatrice's situation was a bit different, as we find out, because Beatrice suffers from what I would consider pretty extreme hypochondria with a healthy splash of paranoia yeah. on top. We're talking, this is anxiety yeah. to a T, my friend. Can you think, like... You're you're about to give birth, usually a very special moment in everybody's life, and you just think, I'm going to give birth, and then I'm just going to be dead. Yeah, that's the end Yikes. for me. Uh, and she's screaming and shouting. Like Tyrion. Oh, he yeah. killed his mom during childbirth. <laughs> Maybe she thought he was going to be a fun-loving little, little, little gambling little Peter Dinklage. Maybe she thought an actual vampire, or no, actual bat was going to come out of her. Like, ah. he was a dragon... No, was it him? He's like a monster goblin thing that came out. Tyrion, right? Tyrion is the yeah, Peter the, Dinklage. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the book, isn't he like a an abomination or something? Uh, he's described as ugly okay. and a little bit deformed, but not th- like an abomination. Okay, okay. The Chase family at the time of Richard's birth were all living in a small one-bedroom apartment which may sound like an okay situation for a small family starting out, but with all the issues between Beatrice and Richard Sr., being in such a confined space together seemed to just exacerbate everything. You need space. You need somewhere to blow that shit off, especially (laughs) if Dick Sr. has an anger problem and Beatrice has an anxiety problem. Yeah, they're they're not... We got to keep in mind, the book doesn't really mention this, but I think they're a very traditional religious couple. So keep that in mind as well. Beatrice, on top of being a pretty paranoid hypochondriac, was also apparently the type of woman who was emotionally aggressive towards her husband. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it would be just poking and prodding at him with insults. Sometimes if Richard Sr. was even a minute late returning home, Beatrice came at him with wild accusations of infidelity. Who are you out with? (laughs) Or... That he must have been out abusing drugs and alcohol. Beatrice would also accuse her husband of attempting to poison her, whether it be with food or cleaning supplies. This is something. Okay, Dick Sr., not the problem here. Beatrice. Hold on. We're going to get into him, too. Oh, my God. They're both the problems. (laughs) But, man, what is she suffering from where she believes her husband's poisoning her constantly? What the fuck? I don't I don't know what 
what disorder this is. And how do you poison cleaning supplies? I don't know. Apparently, she would like dump them out constantly. Oh, it's such You're a waste. You're not supposed to drink them. And they no. are poison in yeah. the first place. That's I... the, the point is poison. <laughs> I don't know. Now, Richard Sr. was far from the only victim in this scenario. The term domestic abuse wasn't really something frowned upon in the 1950s or even taken seriously. So Richard Sr. would generally react to his wife's behavior with violence, yeah. uh, fist slapping, all of that sort of thing. So he's not... A good guy. So back in these days, that would be called the man asserting his control over yeah, the house. straightening his yeah. wife up here. Yeah, he, he, ah, man, we're going to find out he likes to hit her and he likes to hit his children All as right. well. He's a punchy man. We've seen yeah, it. Yeah, Archie we, Bunker. We know it. He's mm-hmm. an Archie mm-hmm. Bunker mm-hmm. right here. Except he's not going to have a kid that's nice like Meathead. <laughs> as one can about imagine, little Richard was caught in the crossfire of his parents' caustic relationship. As almost no surprise, it wouldn't take long for his mother's paranoid mental state to be projected on Richard. Well, they suck that shit up. They they <laughs> they become the parents. That's just how it works. Right. So he's See, learning behavior patterns from birth. See, this is this is really interesting because obviously you pretty much know how Richard ends up in the end, and it's really weird to hear how his mother <laughs> was like kind of putting some of the shit into his head. We're all echoes of the yeah. generation before us. That's, that's, uh, that's the only thing we are. <laughs> right. In the younger years of his life, Richard never really had any time to himself and was constantly at his mother's side, which meant he could either be taken out for ice cream as a treat or... He could spend the day helping his mother pour out items that she believed his father had poisoned. Come on. Come on, little Richard. Let's uh, dump food out your dad made for us. It's got to be poisoned. Food and bleach and (laughs) Mr. Clean and everything. I don't know if that's like a good mother-son bonding activity right there. No, to weasel him against his father who she's saying is trying to kill her. You never did this with your mom? No, nah, me and Ma never. <laughs> me and Jody never dumped out all the cookie batter because we thought John was poisoning it. My mom would be pissed if we dumped out cleaning supplies. She needs them. Yes. <laughs> As time progressed, it appears that Beatrice would start to develop a slight case of Munchausen's by proxy, mm-hmm. constantly convincing Richard that there had to be something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Richard Sr. would come home and Beatrice would be hysterical about Richard needing to be rushed to the hospital because there had to be something wrong with him. It would only be made worse when Beatrice discovered that Richard was wetting the bed way past the age one would expect a child to. Now... It's one of the pillars. Yeah, this guy has all of the pillars, (laughs) which is why I'm like, I think he was just kind of destined for that life, you know what I mean? He 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 really makes the nature versus nurture argument uh, uh, heated. He makes it very no, complicated. Yeah, there's no clear answer whether no. it's nature or nurture here. Like most of the dudes we've talked about, it's like we you can kind of make a linear path of how they got there. This yeah. guy, I just, I don't know. His mental illness like throws a wrench in that equation. Now keep in mind, after all we just talked about, it is estimated Richard is only four years old, and his mother's doing this. I don't know. Is four years old and peeing the bed still I feel that too that's, old? I feel that's still like okay. You can yeah. still have weak bladder control when you're four. See, now he. It seems he does it up until about the age of, I'd say like seven to eight. So, but his mother was just like 
freaking out about it. Well, she wanted him to go to the hospital yeah. for things that weren't wrong. So yeah. anything that was wrong, imagine how terribly she would respond to that. Right. And it seemed like Richard Sr. would attempt to take matters into his own hands when it came to his son's Richard's behavior that he was learning from his mother by what the author Ryan Green called necessary discipline. Yeah. Now, you might initially think this must mean beatings, but it almost that is what I thought. It almost sounds like Richard C- uh, Sr. would simply just put his foot down when Richard started to display the type of behavior that his mom was putting in his head. So it's kind of like, you know, cut that out or stop doing sure, that. Sure, sure. So in front of his father, he act normal. In front of his mother, he got weird. Um, <laughs> and because of the little tug of war between his mother and father, it caused Richard to become quiet and insular. Yeah, he had to become two different people. Yeah. At, the, at that early age, he had to become two different people. <sighs> I, just, I honestly, when I was reading this, I didn't realize kind of how shitty of a childhood he had. I really didn't know that. Um, I had heard he had a pretty normal mom and dad, but I, that's definitely does not seem to be the case. Yeah, other things I've read and heard have made it seem like his dad's like the hero, like coming to try and take him back in. And, and he will learn he does later in life. I, I don't know, too little, too late. Man. Yeah, it's he eh, should have been. Sometimes, sometimes people can have a reckoning, right? That's true, but I not mean, when your boy's already a, a blood bucketer. <laughs> true. Uh, In 1954, the Chase family learned that Beatrice was pregnant again, which was amazing they had even managed to have sex, let alone (laughs) the fact that their relationship even lasted four years when they seemed to hate each other. Um, And again, I think this is strictly because of some sort of a religious undertone. That's my theory. Sure. Why they just won't get away from each other. Sure. Now, Richard Sr. decided that because of his growing family that he needed a larger home. So they would move into a nice house located in Sacramento, California. Nice. I don't know what Sacramento was like in 1950. I imagine it was kind of cool. I bet. Perhaps. I bet it was. Yeah. Richard Sr. thought not only is a larger living space a positive, but also this may be a really great opportunity for little Richard to play outside and get away from his mother's ever-increasing grip on him. Yep, socialize with other kids. That's right. really what he needs, is <laughs> to be able to be around kids his own age and learn what they're what they're doing and like uh, get away copy from that mommy. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. As for Beatrice, she didn't handle being pregnant very well. The further she progressed with her pregnancy, the further her mental state deteriorated. Yeah. Her paranoia that her husband was no longer attracted to her and thus must be having an affair increased daily. I mean, I maybe this is a common worry. I mean, I don't know. When people don't feel attractive, you know, they kind of project it. I don't really know, but uh, it seems like this is a pattern with her. It's really weird, too, that they, I'm pretty sh- now conjecture, conjecture. But they probably got pregnant again to be like, we got to save this marriage. We got to get this thing back on tracks. And true, another kid is certainly going to heal yeah. this. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. A lot of people do that, yep. don't they? Yep. Now, Beatrice also started to take out her aggression on little Richard for even the slightest of missteps. While at the same time berating Richard Sr. on how he was disciplining Richard. Wow. So it's like, you're yelling at Richard for everything and then you're yelling at his dad for yelling at Richard for misbehaving so it's like what the fuck this kid's 
head has to be spinning. No question. Yeah, it was a very turbulent time for Richard. But at least now when his parents started fighting, he was able to retreat into his own room or his new favorite spot, the woods behind the house. Never Never want a kid with a favorite spot behind the woods in the house. Hey, I was I was reading this. We're gonna find out what he does. Obviously, I hung out in the woods. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't doing what he was doing. Yeah, but, you didn't uh, have a little kill cave or whatever. No. <laughs> Josh might have though. I can't <laughs> confirm he didn't, but Josh may have. <laughs> he probably still does. <laughs> <laughs> he still has his kill cave out in the woods somewhere. Uh, when Beatrice gave birth to a baby girl by the name of Pamela in 1954. It seemed to change everything in the Chase household. Beatrice's attitude did a complete 180. She started to keep her home in pristine condition. She started to do things to improve the living conditions for the family that she had never done previously. And even started to seem to like her husband again. Wow. Perhaps the birth of Pamela was the fresh start the family was looking for. And because all their focus was now on baby Pamela... It left Richard to his own devices. Raise yourself. We got our perfect <laughs> little daughter now. You know what? This actually feeds into your theory. Fix the marriage. Have a kid. That's, yeah. And technically, for now, it is. You got a shiny new toy in the it, house exa- in the form of a baby girl. Brings everybody together. <laughs> they all want to see that little baby flourish. <laughs> it hides all the imperfections and all the things you hate about the other person. <laughs> and then they just... Bubble right back up to the surface. Oh, yeah. We're going to find out that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. When Richard reached the age uh, that he would start attending school, he seemed to really take to it. His teachers viewed him as having an average intelligence considering his age. Richard was very li- well liked by his classmates and seemed to enjoy socializing with them while at school. But outside of school, he would never bother or even attempt to hang out with any of them, preferring to just be on his own. I mean, again, I don't know. Maybe introvert. I don't know. What Shy, do introverted. Yeah, could be. But you, when you're like five, six, seven, maybe you should hang out with kids a little bit. You should give it a shot. Yeah. You should try and get invited to birthday parties and stuff. Uh, we might find out maybe those kids might not like the same activities that Richard does. Oh. Yeah. With Richard now in school and his family life a little more stable, that pesky bedwetting he had been suffering from seemed to disappear. Could it be because of the happier life, or was it perhaps because Richard had found a new hobby? Oh, boy. As mentioned, with his parents being distracted by the new baby, it left Richard to wander alone in and play in the garden or around the neighborhood or in the woods. Coincidentally... Around the neighborhood at the same time, people started to take notice that an oddly high amount of cats had been disappearing. But most of the neighborhood just assumed that it must have been from wild animals or even a pack of feral dogs, perhaps. Coyotes, maybe. (laughs) Beatrice would be the lucky one to solve the mystery (laughs) mystery of the disappearing cats. Yeah, I bet she felt lucky. (laughs) Richard was about 10 years old at this point, and Beatrice peered through the window to discover that Richard was carrying a dead cat around in the garden. And as she continued to watch him, it became very apparent that he was looking for somewhere to bury said cat. (laughs) How many goddamn cats have to go missing? Like, how many signs are hanging up? 
before before you're like, I think we got a problem here. I think people didn't like their cats as much as they do now, back then. Hey, very good point. Very good point. I mean... Like, I wouldn't just assume my little kitty had been abducted by feral dogs. I'd put up a little bit of an effort to try and figure it out. Maybe look at similar cases to see if other cats have been disappearing. Here's uh, Here, I want to ask you. When you see, like, the posters for missing dogs versus missing cats, I always feel like the dogs, you have a much higher chance of recovering. Yeah. The missing cat, I just, I don't know if you're ever going to find them. They, (sighs) they... They're good on their own. They don't really care that much. Dogs, you know, they want to come back. It's funny. Some people will get their cat back after like a year, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's just been living under my porch. We finally, we finally, we've been feeding it." After watching long enough, Beatrice would storm outside and demand that Richard drop the dead cat and get inside and clean himself up. She would end up burying the cat in the flower box and just tried to pretend like this event had never happened. Oh, that's not good. See, Beatrice felt she needed to keep up the facade that the Chase family was just your normal suburban family. Her son playing with a dead cat could throw a wrench in that image, so she not only kept the secret from the neighbors, but also Richard Sr. Even though she knew that her son was more than likely responsible for all the missing cats in the neighborhood. Like, you're not the Kennedys. You're the Chase family. <laughs> this is what Kennedys do. They hide murders and stuff like that. Dude, dude, though, this is like the start of the nuclear family. Yeah. Post-World War II, it's like, we gotta, we're just good Christians. We're just the Chases. We don't do anything wrong. Yeah, my, it's usually my husband has a severe drinking problem from the war, but... He's just dealing with the ghosts of Japanese people. (laughs) As long as we go to church on Sunday in our Sunday best, we're good to go. Hell yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you need to be telling your husband what the kid was doing or whoever your spouse is. And also seeking uh... professional help. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they didn't really have that back then. They would have just like electrocuted his brain or something. (laughs) Now, we cannot confirm this, but following this series of events that happened, the secret of what her son had done seemed to undo all of the progression Beatrice had made uh, with her mental health. Just unraveled it just, all. It just, for her, it always seems like this string. It's like those poppers. You pull it out and it just explodes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Beginning with her insecurity about her husband's faithfulness returning full steam. Jesus. In her mind, there could be no way he was this happy with life unless he was fucking somebody else. Wow. <laughs> She's so like, it's like, dude, things are just too good. Yeah. I gotta fuck this up. Something something has to be going on. Oh my goodness. Who's the new tramp in town, Richard? Oh. <laughs> so when Beatrice returned to her old ways, Richard Sr. returned to his abuse. It worked before, it'll work again. <sighs> It eventually reached a boiling point when Beatrice was caught spying on Richard Sr. while he was at work. His employers eventually had to tell Richard that he (laughs) needed to get his wife away from their place of business. What the... Okay, this is like stalker status. Yeah. You need to stop that. If you're doing this to... Your significant other, stop it yeah. immediately, and just please. break up because you can't. You have no <laughs> trust issues, or <laughs> no. you have you have severe trust issues, and you have no right to be in a relationship. I want to bring this up to you. This was interesting. the The other book that I was reading listed Richard Senior's job as a computer specialist. 
Wow. Could that even be possible in the 50s? Oh, yeah. They had yeah? room-sized computers back okay. then. Yeah. Because I was, I mean, I guess they, as we'll find out. And with this they were job, like they can... calculators too. You know what I mean? Got, oh, gotcha. Maybe that's what he is doing because they have a lot of money right now. Like mm. they're making, he's making good money right now. So maybe that makes sense. Mm. Uh, even though mental illness treatment wasn't, was kind of uh, a shameful thing in the 50s, Richard Sr. decided perhaps it was the only thing that he could do to help at this point. So he would help facilitate Beatrice going to one of these places. I hope one of these places means a psychiatrist's office and not a fucking institution. No, 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 no. It It is the, okay. the first one there. Now, because Richard Sr. would have to trick Beatrice into attending the first psychiatric visit, she was a bit apprehensive and basically blamed her abusive husband and evil children for ruining her life. Yep. Without Beatrice being able to accept that she could be the cause of some of the issues as well, the first round of treatment didn't really help at all. Yeah. But give credit to Beatrice because she gave it a second shot. She would seek a specialist in woman's issues, Mm -hmm. who thankfully had been forewarned about her behavior in the previous appointment. Because of this, the psychiatrist was able to get through to Beatrice a little bit. It helped her to internalize her paranoia and delusions instead of inflicting them and projecting them on the people around her. That is the only way you can start to become better, Mm. is when you... When you are, uh, when you stop blaming people for things that you're thinking about. Right. That's a ridiculous thing. But when you're caught up in that spiral, you don't even realize you're doing that. That's what I was just going to say. So many people don't even realize they do this. And I was guilty of this too before, you know, I kind of like got myself some mental health help. And and that's exactly what they do is Mm. it's, it's, they're not going to fix you. They're going to give you a toolbox that's full of things that'll help you work out your own issues. They're going to teach you methods that'll help you think around corners easier and get you out of your own head for a while. Uh, Yeah, don't be fooled. There'll be people who still will aggravate you, but at least you'll be like, you know what? I don't need to get myself involved in that bullshit. I don't need to get myself involved in their, the bullshit that's happening in their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Beatrice was away from home getting her mental health help, Richard found himself unshackled from his mother's gaze, which allowed him to do as he desired unfettered. As mentioned, his father had no idea Richard had been caught carrying around a dead cat. (laughs) Right. So when Richard spent all of his time outdoors now, Richard Sr. figured this was a good thing because he was becoming more of a man. Mm Mm-hmm. The truth is that Richard probably just took this as permission to escalate his sadistic activities. It's time to level up. <laughs> do you play the, like, the leveling up music from Final Fantasy? I'll do Dragon Quest. There you go. <laughs> he evolved beyond just cats and started to kill the neighborhood dogs as well. He would also capture rabbits with his bare hands and climb up trees to grab birds out of their nests. Wow. He should have been a boxer. He can catch rabbits uh, barehanded. So? Yeah, he's quick quick on his feet. Apparently, he would like hover outside of their holes and wait for him to like come out a little and then just grab Pop him. Once Richard got his hands onto whatever unlucky creature he could, if they didn't die from the initial impact, they would be tortured. Richard would either tear them apart with his bare hands or he would use his little pocket knife. Golly. Yikes. I don't even like tearing the wings off a fly. 
I, no. I wouldn't want to rip off fucking Bunny's hands off. How many animals he kills, like, through his life is just like, uh... and as we'll see later in life, it's just basically like a factory for him. So just it must bring be... in a new one, tear him apart, bring in a new one, tear him apart. It must just get him a little kick of it, and yeah. then he has to kill real people to, uh get the full fix yeah yeah we'll uh we'll probably get into that probably in part three but yeah it's it's a steady escalation in like his uh i don't know his predatoriness towards larger prey i guess is that the best way to put it there richard would completely disregard the first warning from his mother about bringing dead animals back to the house because he would continuously keep bringing the corpses of his prey back to the garden and burying them (sighs) Beatrice would even witness him doing it on multiple occasions, but just because she wanted to protect the image of being a perfect family, she just pretended, I didn't see nothing. Turns a blind eye. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Richie. Oh, Richie's up to his antics again. He's bringing in a fucking labradoodle and burying it in the backyard. Now, that's healthy parenting. Yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. It is kind of weird he is acting like a cat. Like yeah, a little bit. He's bringing his his, his shit number on. one prey. He he acts exactly like it. Yeah, I wonder if he's shitting in that garden too. I bet you. He's burying, burying it. it with his feet, <laughs> kicking sand on it. With his escalation in violent behavior at home, it started to affect him at school as well. Now, I would estimate that he is roughly about twelve to thirteen years old at this point, and his teachers started to notice that Richard was hanging out with quote the bad crowd. Yeah which was more or less just the older children. He would hang out with the kids smoking cigarettes during his recess time and from time to time would drink alcohol with them. Where were they? Were they in high school and like allowed he, to smoke? Oh, yeah, it was like probably, the 60s. Is, yeah, it was probably one of those schools where like the the elementary, middle school, and high school were just kind of like all in the same facility. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the reason he was hanging out with the cool kids who were smoking was not for the reason one might expect. It was actually because he wanted to get his hands on their matches. Okay. I thought it was going to be like he was going to try and convince him to buy him a pocket knife. But (laughs) matches, that makes sense. He wants Uh, to get into the fucking arson game. Hell, yes, he does. Which, after he learned a few bartering techniques, which included offering them some loose pocket change in exchange for a box of matches. That's just called commerce. (laughs) It's just called buying matches. Well, you're 12. You got to be impressed. (laughs) Here's some fucking change I found at home. Can I I get those boxes or those matches from you? He loved the matches so much, it would not be uncommon to see him with soot-blackened fingers. Sure. (laughs) It got to the point where his teachers would have to confiscate boxes of matches from him during class. At home, he learned to hide his collection under his mattress (laughs) so that his mother wouldn't take them from him. And additionally, he had a little private stash out in the woods. You gotta have that. You can't be too far away from matches. So... He could integrate fire into his animal torture, thus completing the McDonald Triangle. Yes, sir. Pee and fire, animal torture. There you go. Yes, sir. As time progressed, all the progress Beatrice had made with her mental health, sadly, it was not to last. She would slowly start transforming back into her old self, which led to her complaining to others in the neighborhood that her husband was abusing her constantly and eventually... Let it slip that she had discovered that her son had buried a dead cat in their garden, which raised some red flags with the people in the neighborhood. She really, (laughs) like, 
I'm not victim blaming or whatever because she's a problem too, but <laughs> yeah. she needed attention. That's what she needed. Oh, you think? This is what's, I, I mean, why is she just blabbing all around the neighborhood about well, her husband beating her? Like, why? what the hell? See, here's the thing. Um... I I don't I don't know. It's do you think I almost wonder if she wasn't like drunk. You know, like drunk oh, day drinking oh. with uh you know the ladies in the neighborhood or what I can't confirm any of this, but uh it sounds like something a drunk person like accidentally blurred out. I could see that when you're going over when they're going over for coffee with each other, but it's actually just rum. <laughs> the 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 uh fifties ladies uh what do they take? The meth. The legal meth, and then they vacuum their house for eight hours straight. Eat speed pills and just <laughs> <Yeah>. go nuts. <laughs> Greenies. <laughs> they were baseball the players and fucking housewives. <laughs> How ironic now. Greenies are uh, a treat that you give to cats. Yeah. They're good for <laughs> dental protection. Yeah. Poor Sophie. We give them to her, and uh, her breast still stinks. Just, yeah. She's just a stinky. She's, uh, just, she's like the Richard Ramirez of cats. Halitosis. <laughs> Now, this in turn had a negative effect on Richard Sr. See, Richard Sr. had to work extra hard to rebuild his status at work (laughs) after they caught his wife lurking around the building. (laughs) But when all the rumors swirled around about him being an abuser and about his crazy son, he was promptly laid off. While he didn't have a tough time finding a new job, they would never pay nearly as well as that one, and the family started to lose everything they had built up. And adding financial strain to their relationship brought the toxic relationship between Richard Sr. and Beatrice back in full force. Mm -hmm. Because of the constant fighting, Richard was spending almost his entire day in the woods at this point. It was kind of his thing. They would start fighting. He would get the hell out of the house. Hide in the woods. He got yelled at. He went in the woods. If matters couldn't get any worse, there would be an incident involving a neighbor. Now, as mentioned many times, Richard liked to play out in the woods and in the garden. Well, on one particular day, his neighbor was working on their car in his garage and was known to play his radio incredibly loud, like even the neighbors would complain about him, but they couldn't do nothing. Sure. Well, for some reason, Richard found this to be a huge disturbance and figured he should do something about it. He is Batman. (laughs) He's going to solve the neighborhood's problems. He proceeded to take paint stripper and douse the outside of the neighbor's garage and threw one of his beloved matches at it. Oh. Richard then just returned to his garden and watched the orange hue emanate from the flames. Soon enough, he heard the radio turn down and the neighbor <laughs> began shouting. The neighbor pretty easily put out the flames with his hose and it was very apparent who had started the fire because Richard was staring at him and smirking. <laughs> Good cover, Richard. <laughs> I mean, he's fucking so, he's, idiot. He loves it so much you can't even hide it. God. The neighbor dragged Richard by the ear to his front door. Richard Sr. answered and yelled at Richard, What did you do? Apparently, Richard Sr. then and there slapped Richard across the face twice in front of the neighbor. He then took what little savings they had left and used it to pay for the damages to the neighbor's garage. Well, well that's decent. After the neighbor left, Richard Sr. savagely beat Richard with his fists. Beatrice would eventually have to try to pull Richard Sr. off of his son, in which she received a blow from the crossfire. That is rage mm-hmm. right there. Holy shit. That red curtain was down over his <laughs> yeah. brain. After this event, the Chase family found themselves broke 
and would be forced to have to have a yard sale, selling everything they had, and would find themselves moving back into a one-bedroom one apartment similar to the one they had when Richard was just a baby, except this time there was four of them in the household. Fuck. And Richard had no woods to retreat into when the fighting began. Moving on down. Yeah. This is the opposite is, of the Jeffersons. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe his computer, maybe he was a computer guy and got paid a lot of money because that's a hell of a downgrade that he had to go to when he, he got a different job. Shockingly, as dire as the situation seemed to be, Richard actually handled his transition to Miraloma High School fairly well. He made friends pretty quickly and would even earn the nickname Rick with his new cohorts. Nice. Very clever. That's Richard. better than like cum bucket or something. <laughs> true, true. His teachers considered him to be well-behaved and quite intelligent. Because Richard was the type that mostly kept to himself at school, it created a sort of mysterious aura around him, which would garner interest from the girls at school. Oh yeah. It seemed like perhaps he could finally have some sort of normalcy in his life. Sadly, it was not to last because his parents had finally decided to separate with the intention of filing for a divorce. They should have done that 15 years ago. A long time ago. Because of all the turmoil involved in his parents separating, Richard, his sister Pamela, and Beatrice would go to live with her parents in Los Angeles. Los Angeles! <laughs> City of Angels, buddy. Yes. Now, when Richard Sr. and Beatrice separated, it would completely untether the latent hypochondria that his mother had been suppressing for years, which would affect not only herself, but also Richard now. Oh, yeah. Munchausen's coming back. Yeah. Beatrice would point out things on Richard's body, which he would in turn then start obsessing over. Mm -hmm. Such as when he discovered a bone protruding out of his body, he would poke and prod it until it would become sore, assuming that it had to be some sort of cancerous growth. Additionally, because of all the years his mother had accused his father of poisoning her, he started to wonder if he was actually a victim of poisoning by proxy. Wow. <laughs> That's... She did her job. I guess. That's exactly yeah. what she wanted to do, wittingly <laughs> or unwittingly. That's what she was doing, and she did it. She made she made everything on yeah. him think it was cancerous. Ugh. And, and I can relate it, to that. Before I was on Zoloft, yeah. I thought every bump, everything was had to be cancer. Every cough. I mean, honestly, I I do think it's pretty common. Uh, if we're being real, like it's there's so much. So many diseases, like it's just like a gamba. You never know what, what could happen. Almost every night while he laid on his grandmother's love seat, letting his anxiety consume him, he would plug his ears and listen carefully to his heartbeat to make sure it was still functioning. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he was certain that it was skipping beats or that it had just stopped altogether. Now, ironically, even though we know now that his, his own personal hypochondria will come back in full force. Around this time in his teenage years, he would actually have a moment of realization when he caught his mother lying on the couch all day with a migraine. The thing was that she hadn't been around his father in quite some time, so how could his father have been poisoning her mm -hmm, still? Mm -hmm. This was a small moment of sanity that Richard would be able to enjoy before... He'll eventually become completely unhinged in the future. 
that's rough when you're when you have that moment of realization mm-hmm. where it's like, oh shit, the bad guy has been the one that I've been latched onto this whole yeah. time. Yeah, and he's and, and Richard like, Senior's not a good guy. So. No, 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 no. And I think for him, it was like, wait, she's making all this shit up. You know, like this poisoning horse shit. Clearly, she's lying about it because Dad hasn't been around here at all. And if she's lying about that there's a goddamn good chance she's lying about other shit. And right. it's, it's nice to unravel some of that, but right. obviously wouldn't take for our poor protagonist of this series. No, sadly not. Now, like most toxic couples do who just refuse to let things go, uh, <laughs> Beatrice and Richard Sr. would start to write letters to one another, convincing themselves that they were still madly in love, <sighs> their problems didn't exist, and they couldn't bear going through with a divorce. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. So in the same year that they had separated, they would end up back together. Cut off contact. <laughs> Delete from Facebook. Hit the gym. Lawyer up. Uh, for Richard Cedar, just go to the bar. For her, go to the bar. I don't know. Do something. Yeah. There's Learn plenty of, other men, and of wi- other men and women in Sacramento and Los Angeles here. This did have some positives, though. Richard was able to return to his school where he had made friends previously. And with Richard Sr. back in their lives, both Beatrice and, to, to a lesser extent, Richard's hypochondria were brought back under control. But after Richard had returned to his previous school, things just simply were not the same. His grades were failing, his attitude was faltering, and his appearance was taking on a more disheveled look, similar to Jordan here. (laughs) But his teachers would chalk it up to just him having a tumultuous home life. What do you think... So this is not Miraloma. That's where he was starting to come into his own, right? So he left... Or he... After they moved into the one-bedroom apartment... He joined Miraloma. Yeah. After they separated, he went to L.A. I don't think he was in school okay. at all. Then he came back. He's back at Miraloma. But it's just not the same. He, something with his... Well, we're going to kind of learn about his attitude here. I don't know. Maybe his parents being together just kind of isn't good for him. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Probably. Now, Richard's new rebel attitude and appearance actually had a very positive effect on his social life, which meant spending much more time away from home and much more time with his friends. Weirdly, classmates would later comment how Richard was able to traverse freely through different social cliques within the school. Jocks, nerds, dopers, didn't matter. He could just strike up a conversation with any of them. Well, we know why, don't we? (laughs) He's been living two lives his entire fucking life. It's pretty easy to start adding three, four, five different lives in there. That is a good point. I didn't even think about that. That's exactly exactly (laughs) what it was. Now, as mentioned, Richard in his teenage years had drawn the attention of the girls in school from that mysterious guy personality. Now that he added the rebel physique yeah. and his newfound charisma, slaying the ladies wanted a piece of Richard Chase. Yep. What followed for Richard was a flurry of short-term relationships, which almost all ended the exact same way. Because the mystique fell off. That's the (laughs) thing. They like you when you're mysterious. They hate you when they know you. (laughs) They would date. He wouldn't try to manipulate or control the girls he dated. They felt comfortable around him. But the one problem that seemed to be bringing an end to all of the relationship was the girl decided they liked Richard but not enough to take it to a physical level with him, just like you just said. Richard and said girl would end their relationship on a peaceful note, and the two of them would just head in different directions. 
After the flurry of failed relationships throughout his early years of high school, Richard would eventually find a girl willing enough to go all the way with him on two separate occasions. Sorry, this is two separate girls. Nice. Okay. This is going to be the same, same ending with two separate girls. Okay. When he finally got down to having sex, it would end tragically for Richard. When the moment came for Richard and his girlfriend at the time to get down to business, Richard would have an erection and be able to start the act of sex. But he found he couldn't maintain that erection. Mm -hmm. This would happen to Richard with both girls. And after each time, Richard would immediately break it off with the girl. Anxiety. The interesting thing, the girl didn't want to break up with him. But Richard's number one goal was to have sex, but he couldn't figure out why he couldn't maintain his erection in front of a beautiful naked woman. But he would recall a time when he didn't have any trouble getting an erection. According to the author Ryan Green, when Richard was torturing and murdering those animals in the woods, he would constantly have an erection. And when he would set things on fire, he could orgasm without even touching his penis. Damn. Wow. You you have to go to Tijuana to see that. Yes. It, it, it'll be somebody riding a, a donkey painted like a zebra. Isn't that what they always joke? There's like a guy who'll come out on stage and just come and then go back and say, he won't touch his, he won't touch his penis or nothing. Well, that's, just like... that's, a, that's a skill. That's for sure. <laughs> that's mind over matter there. And as we will learn, this inability to get and or maintain an erection will cause him an insurmountable amount of mental strife. Richard found the best way to quell his internal demons came in the form of alcohol. Any sort of allowance that his parents gave him in high school, he would spend it on booze. Sure. If he had no money, he would shoplift the alcohol. If he couldn't do that, he would enter the homes of neighbors and steal it. Sure. But only if... They were unlucky enough to have left their doors unlocked, which a lot of people did in the, I guess, 60s at this point. Man. So uh, we we know this unlocked door thing is going to become very apparent later in life as well. But I never want to live school. in a place where we had to lock our doors. I'm not kidding you. My grandma didn't lock her door until, ridiculous. until I was like... I don't know, maybe out of high school. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I have no trust ever. No. I want to lock every door I can find mm. and lock it. The second I come home, I lock the fucking door. What else are you going to do? Leave it open so any idiot can come in and steal all your yeah. booze? It just takes one meth head who really needs a new fix to come in and try to steal your shit when you're home. And it always seems to be the meth heads that do like the robbery killings. They you do. ever notice yeah. that? It was, yeah, because they, they need it. It's always they them. need it's, it. It's not usually like the heroin junkies or anything. Probably because they don't have the energy yeah, to do it. Crawling around, <laughs> shaking like leaves. The Chase family would soon, soon be able to afford a larger apartment, which would allow Richard to finally have his own room again. It allowed Richard more time to dwell on his increasingly more macabre thoughts. Soon, alcohol alone didn't seem to have the same effect of quieting his despair, so he would add in a much, much deadlier drug in the form of marijuana. Well, that's what sent him over the edge, huh? <laughs> that's what turned Obviously, him into a killer. Obviously, this is what's going to lead to his murder spree here. Yeah. The fucking weed. Uh, I don't know if Ryan Green just doesn't like weed, but he... Wouldn't let go of how much weed Richard loved. Richard sure. loved marijuana. He loved his weed. He needed his pot cigarettes. <laughs> and in the 60s, weed is like a quarter of the power it is now, right? Oh, yeah. Like maybe even not that high. Yeah, it's basically rope. 
It's a fucking weed. <laughs> but all jokes aside, it was when Richard started dabbling heavily in LSD that it ex- expedited his descent into madness, which will eventually allow his latent schizophrenia to come on much faster and much harder. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. You've heard you've heard this like psychedelics and things like that. Hard drugs um, really bring. If you have this like buried in you, it'll like come out really really quick. I don't know if it made it worse for him or if it just like brought out what was already there. I don't really know. What do you think? Well, it's you're not supposed to take LSD if you're schizophrenic, mm. and you're also not supposed to take other hallucinogens if you're on you know Zoloft or mm. whatever. Mm. So. Because uh, it's all brain chemistry. Mm. So I have no, there's no question that lysergic acid will bring out whatever underlying condition well, you have. We got to remember, at this point, he's just doing LSD, weed, and alcohol, but uh, eventually he'll just do anything he can get his hand sure. on. Like any drug he can get his hand on, right. he does not care. He so, sniffs a white powder and yeah, doesn't even know it, if it's Ajax or yeah, cocaine. I was just going to say, it could be fucking Comet. Yep. As long as his dad didn't poison it, he's doing it. Sure. <laughs> his dad's the only poisoner on the planet, after all. As Richard continued his alcohol and drug abuse, his behavior and physical appearance also started to trend downward. <laughs> but in an ironic twist, most people didn't think much of the change in appearance because he just looked like a free love hippie. Right. Uh, even if he wasn't necessarily trying to. Well, I guess that's why they look like that, then, huh? <laughs> I know he just blended in so perfectly with the people of this time period, just like a chameleon. Yeah, that's good stuff. Richard would soon be picked up by the police for possession of marijuana. Now, the amount that he had on him at this point made the police assume he had to be some sort of dealer, but apparently Richard just smoked that much weed in between uh, his visits to his drug dealer. Did they say how much? They did not say okay. how much. I don't know. 1960s weed, I maybe announced probably. They just assume, buying in bulk, baby. Probably. But what really hurt Richard was when he found that his father didn't come to his aid with his legal troubles. Richard, though, would just be sentenced to do community service, which included picking up litter or possibly removing graffiti. Additionally, Richard Sr. made it his goal to try to keep his son clean, so he would perform constant searches uh, through Richard's bedroom, which made it impossible for Richard to have any, any form of alcohol or drugs within his living space, but... That wasn't going to stop Richard from getting his hands on it outside of the house. Yeah. Such as one night when Richard attended a house party. (laughs) Richard had apparently drank so much that he lost his ability to speak English and took off screaming down the neighborhood, shouting incoherently. He franked the tank. (laughs) Honestly, it's kind of what it sounds like. He franked the tank. (laughs) Fearing that Richard's antics might bring on the cops, one of Richard's friends took off after him. Now, apparently Richard's incoherent rambling was so funny, his friend had trouble catching him simply because he constantly (laughs) had to stop and laugh. But eventually, he managed to get Richard back to the house and put him to bed for a while. Eventually, Richard sobered up a little, and when he woke up, him and his friend had a heart-to-heart conversation about sex. Now, this particular friend at the time was still a virgin, so he wanted Richard's advice about having sex. That's a poor man to ask. (laughs) Instead, he ended up getting an earful of Richard's anger toward his erectile dysfunction, which was something that he had been keeping a secret from everybody up until this point. 
but this did have one positive aspect to it. Even though it was embarrassing after the fact, it gave him the courage to seek out a doctor to ask for help with the problem. But because he was still a minor, he wanted to wait to see a doctor uh, without the possibility of having his parents knowing. Teen, yeah, if that so makes that sense. way he's not on the insurance. That's not going right. to show up on the well, uh, monthly I, bill. I don't think this is the case now. Like, I think 16-year-olds can go to the doctor and not have to notify their parents. But at this time, they had to. Sure. Um, which I, I guess is a good change. We were a little more draconian back then, for sure, yeah. A lot more draconian, yeah. I'd say. In 1966, at the age of 16, Richard would be caught breaking into one of his neighbor's homes and stealing a bottle of whiskey. Once again, his father would not make any attempt to aid his son in the form of avoiding legal trouble. Not that he really needed it in the end, because the ever-so-lucky Richard just received what amounted to a slap on the wrist and a warning instead of any additional community service. Just a little ruffian out trying to steal mm. some booze. That's all he was. Maybe this was kind of what a common thing. What are you going to do, put him in Alcatraz for it? <laughs> Stealing a man's whiskey? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> as long as he's not worshiping Satan, it's fine. That's right. <laughs> Now, even though Richard had basically given up on trying at high school, which led to the school calling his father to inform him about his grades, which just ended in Richard Sr. beating his son because of that, <sighs> somehow, some way, Richard managed to graduate, even though it seemed like he had more Fs than passing grades. Well, they they'll just, get you through the meat grinder, yeah. They just wanted him out of there. Not my Didn't problem care. anymore. Right. If you've seen The Wire, that's what that whole school <laughs> system is about. Just get out of here. Once school was over, Richard had two choices, get a job or go seek a higher education. That, that's everybody, though. Uh, he decided on the latter. Wow. Yeah. Richard, we're going to find out Richard doesn't like working. Uh, so Rich working. <laughs> so Richard would take an introductory course at American River College. I wonder how their football team is. I bet it's, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Within the first weeks on campus, he almost immediately reached out to a health, to health services to get help from a psychiatrist for his erectile dysfunction. Now, this psychiatrist seemed to be way beyond what we'd expect for the late 1960s because they pretty much nailed Richard on the head. Richard was doing his best to skate around mentioning all the sexual arousal from animal mutilation or fires or his morbid thoughts or any of the other darker aspects in his life. Mm -hmm. But the psychiatrist had basically informed him that his erectile dysfunction was probably from repressed anger. Mm -hmm. Additionally, the psychiatrist could tell there was some sort of major mental illness just bubbling under the surface. Because whenever Richard would tell a story, it always seemed to com contain a bit of reality and a bit of fiction. While it wasn't enough to try to get Richard help from an institution... The doctor tried to teach him coping methods, and because his ED was more most likely from his hatred of women, moreover his mother, he should try to heal and mend that relationship between his him and his mother. I don't know if that's the right advice. I would don't think continue so? to ignore mother is what <laughs> I would do. Well, sometimes if you can... But she's beyond reaching out to. She's this so far around the this bend that you have to like cut that shit off. I mean, maybe this this uh, this head doctor here believed, doing his best he believed like the nuclear family was the 
the like answer, I guess. He was like so far ahead in everything else, except you're always going to get caught up in some trappings of the time. Right. And I'm sure the nuclear family idea was his. Yeah. Sadly, Richard wasn't willing to accept this information and instead chose to cut off any contact with the psychiatrist altogether. Yeah. To make matters worse, shortly after enrolling at American River College, his parents would officially separate again, but this time it was permanent. Richard Sr. agreed to give his wife a bit of money to help take care of the family, and the children could choose which parent they wanted to live with. Wow. Pamela almost immediately chose to live with her father, while Richard would technically live with his mother. Although he made a huge effort to visit both of them on a regular basis, hmm. which they both would later say they would greatly appreciate. I think they do. Yeah, parents do. Mm-hmm. Now, it seemed after their separation when something really interesting happened with both of the parents. While Richard Sr., by all accounts, had been an overly stern, abusive husband and father, once he separated from Beatrice... His attitude changed almost immediately. Hmm. As we will find out, it was almost as if he had come to realize what an absolutely shitty father he had been towards Richard. And he found that both Richard and himself started having a lot of heart-to-heart conversations. When you could bring down those walls, the father-son hmm. relationship... Really heals. It's about as good as you can be. See, I think this is where a lot of people get the... Uh, his dad was really trying to help because part two, we're really going to see his dad was a really big help. Okay. Um, yeah, but, I was, I was, I was, uh, guffawing when mm, you, when you said that earlier that mm. he would make a heel around the bend. And I guess maybe there is a point that you can get to where you realize you've been focusing on yourself so much, even though you've brought life into the world, you've been focusing well, on yourself and you're fighting with your wife and not about, raising your kids properly my thing was that like i almost wonder if because they had such a toxic relationship his anger was all towards his wife and then he just took it out on like the kids definitely although pamela we don't really hear much from her so i don't know how she ended up i imagine she probably changed her name doesn't want anything to do with makes sense that the oldest boy is the uh punching bag right right because the, I mean, Dick Senior probably not too much far beyond a kid when he had uh, had, he had, had him. Dick Junior. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We don't know any of their ages, but I would assume uh, for shot of World War Two, they're just 19, trying to make a family. Yeah. yeah. Now, as for Beatrice, it went in a much different direction. She took all that rage she had mostly taken out on Richard Senior and was now fully taking it out on Richard. Now, this will prove to be a disastrous combination because without Richard Senior in the picture, Beatrice let her hypochondria completely unfurl. Richard's own severe mental illness was just waiting to explode, and her verbal abuse was the tipping point. Yeah. It started with Richard now checking his heart regularly while in public to make sure it was working. He would just stop in the street, check his fucking heart. I mean, that's weird. I would do that all the time. <laughs> I'd Wait, be like, is you... it going the wrong way? <laughs> like, I would think there's, it's missing beats. I'm, I have heart cancer. Heart cancer? I don't even think that's a thing. I, don't, I have no idea. Well, you're the first case, apparently. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure I am sure. I thought I was that special. That's another thing, mm. thinking you're that special to have all that stuff. But it's like, <laughs> hey. you just got to calm down and realize that some things will happen, some things yeah. won't happen. Uh, nobody's going to escape the Reaper. That's right. 
it is it escalated when Beatrice was using her paranoia against Richard by convincing him that any medical ailments had to be from his father poisoning him, right. just like he had done to her. This was her attempt to try to get Richard to stop visiting his dad. Right. This, in turn, led to Richard refusing to eat anything when he went over to his dad's house because it clearly had to be poisoned. But his paranoia didn't stop there because it eventually got to the point where he started to believe that his mother was also trying to poison him. That's like she 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 graduated him <laughs> from Padawan to Jedi. He's He's got his own delusions springing <laughs> yeah. up now. Yeah, holy hell. Because he wouldn't eat and was effectively starving himself, yeah. his grades in college plummeted and was forced to drop out. The job Richard had managed to hold down for three months also fired him. Richard was finding himself descending into a stinky, withered husk of what he used to be. Food was too dangerous to eat. Soap was too dangerous to use. His limbs were starting to not work as they used to. He had been avoiding all possible sources of poison at this point. So what could possibly be the reason he was still so weak? It could only be from one thing. He has a weak blood flow in his body. Oh. The reason his blood was pumping less was because his heart was shrinking. Oh. A shrunken heart would also be a reasonable explanation for the for his penis not working oh, yeah, as it's well. Not, you can't pump that blood in there. <laughs> so what could he do to stop his heart from vanishing completely? Well, Richard decided to start looking into UFO phenomena included that that's included a, that's radi- a weird place to start. <laughs> it's a strange place to start for shrinking heart syndrome. Well, they were using radiation and death rays to right. get him. And they were, they were you got to remember, through all this crazy, well, basically from here on out, he leveled up. Uh yeah, UFOs and Nazis. Mm. It's always the Nazis who are mm. after him too. Uh, wow. we'll, we'll talk a lot about the Nazis are after him. Uh, could that possibly be the reason for that his heart was shrinking just outside of poisoning? Richard would stare at himself in the mirror every day, examining his body for any sign of poisoning or health defect. Yikes. This is when Richard came to the realization that there could only be one person responsible for poisoning him and shrinking his heart his entire life, his mother, Beatrice. Now, she poisoned his brain and poisoned <laughs> his heart. She didn't shrink or poison anything else. It's kind of funny. He thinks his heart's going to just shrink until it vanishes. Like, this isn't a black hole, dude. This, this isn't is... the Grinch stole's <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> now, one day while Richard was in the bathroom performing his usual routine of examining his body and working himself into a full-blown panic if he found something, which generally led to him screaming out loud. God. This time, Beatrice burst through the door, and seeing what he believed was his poisoner standing right in front of him, Mm. he lunged at his mother with what little strength he had, knocking her to the floor, then wrapping his hands around her neck and choking the life out of her. Eventually, Richard was able to snap out of his manic episode and realize that he was killing his mother. He started crying and begging for forgiveness for what he had just done to her, but Beatrice felt that her son was just too dangerous to keep around anymore, so they would set up to have Pamela and Richard swa- uh, swap their living situations. Poor Pamela, but thank fucking Christ for Richard. 
Oh, don't worry. This is not definitely not the end of his mother. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure she <laughs> continues to fuck with his brain until he starts killing humans. Yeah. And which, even after. Which, ironically, will have a positive healing effect on Richard. Good. Now that he was living with his father, he found himself being able to bathe and eat again. His sanity was returning to normal. And within just a week of being at his dad's, Richard was able to help out with little tasks around the house. Every morning, Richard Sr. would leave his son some money and a grocery list so Richard could go out and interact with society and perhaps feel a bit of normalcy, something that he really needs. I think for like, I don't know for certain, but I think for like um, schizophrenic people and people dealing with like extreme mental disorders, I think... Just having like a routine of normalcy really helps them, and being able to see mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. and see that oh, they're not pl- they're not just mm-hmm. all actively plotting against me when <laughs> I can't see them. They're just living their lives, right? Right. So th- his good on his dad for doing this, yeah, and especially getting rid of the prison searches of his room and stuff <laughs> like that, and leaving him money to go yeah. do chores. That's responsibility. That's trust. It's a lot better than what he was doing. We're going to find out. Uh, Richard would have made a great carpenter. Like Jesus. Yeah, just like Jesus. <laughs> I mean, they had the same body frame by the time <laughs> uh, he gets arrested. They're both yeah. skinny, frail hippies. <laughs> <laughs> it was while he was out grocery shopping that Richard just so happened to run into some old friends from high school. After a bit of conversing, he found that he could rent out a room in a house on Annadale Lane with a couple of girls that he knew from high school. Good deal. As for Richard Sr., while he wasn't expecting his son to move out so quickly, he was nonetheless excited to see his son working towards living a normal life. Unfortunately, what will follow is these two girls living in a madhouse with Richard Chase, and that's where we're picking up on part two. Beautiful. Right there. Poor, these poor girls are going to be... Going through hell. They don't know what they signed up for. No, uh, they think Richard is just this normal, cool dude from high school. Yeah, they're in for a uh, bit of surprise. This normal rebel hippie boy is mm-hmm. now, uh, he's going to come in and turn things upside down, I imagine. His dad was so good for him, and uh, being away from his dad's going to prove to be not good for him. Well, yeah, I know. And it, <laughs> But his dad thinks it will be, because yeah. he's like, oh, he's following the proper steps. He's moving out. Of the he's, nest. He's, honestly, his dad's probably like, man, Richard's going to go out and bag one of these ladies and start his own family. Oh, yeah. You know what? He'll just follow the path I did. Hell I'm yeah. good to go. So, yeah. How do you feel after learning a lot about uh, uh, his parents there? Uh, I love it. It explains <laughs> so much. Yeah. They're both Beatrice and Dick Sr., both mm-hmm. psychotic. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dick Sr., making amends, yeah. working his way around the around the bend but i don't believe beatrice will no, i don't believe she can no. because i think she's broken a little yeah bit. she i think if her and richard had a mother son like uh mental health day uh occasionally they maybe things could have worked out but yeah. uh unfortunately, well, beatrice needs psychiatric care mm-hmm. constant psychiatric care I, sometimes i think these people are like prisoners of the time mm-hmm. like if they lived in today's time i think all of this probably could have been avoided. Uh, but Give him a little lithium, whatever. Yeah. Maybe Unfor- straighten it out. Unfortunately, mental health just was not great during this time period. It was shitty. Yeah. Some yeah. could say. And like Adam said, uh, there's greenies available at your favorite grocery store. Yep. Why just take a few greenies? You don't need to go see see a head doc. You can uh, crush homers and uh, <laughs> vacuum your carpets with the best of them. 
Hell yeah. I love it. Cody, great job. That Thank was wonderful. You. If you all loved it out there, you let us know by uh, leaving us a form submission at bumblebuttpodcast.com. Uh, bumblebuttpodcast.com. You can go there, type out a form submission. It'll come to us exactly like an email, and we'll read it. It'll be great. Another thing you can do while you're on the website, bumblebuttpodcast.com, is buy some t-shirts. That would be nice. Another thing you can do if you want to help us, pa- patreon.com slash bumblebuttpodcast. Sign up at any level. It uh, it really helps. It actually really does help. You, Absolutely. You, you fools have no fucking idea. Absolutely. We wouldn't have such beautiful equipment if it wasn't for them. No. Absolutely no, we not. We wouldn't be able to hear ourselves with such precision. Uh, great. Uh, follow us on Twitter at BumblebuttPod. Instagram at BumblebuttPodcast. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Spotify Revolution Full Effect. Hell yeah. But if you don't. If you can't or won't and don't, <laughs> if you have the iTunes, we would really love a written five-star review from you. It would help almost as much as buying a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get any new written. I think we got a new review, but not a written one, so we don't know who to thank. But thank you so much for leaving the show a review. Yeah, that's good stuff. We need it. We love it. Mm. We need it. And mm. we need you. We need a Bezos-level of reviews. Yeah, we, we need, need at billions least of reviews. Four thousand. We need every person in the world to make one review for the show and steal your mommy's phone and make a review <laughs> off there as well. It's easy. It's very, easy. It's so you. easy if you have access to internet. That yeah. is, which you do if you're listening yeah. to the show. I don't think we're broadcast over satellite. We've we've we have covered a lot of the world, so that that's a good sign. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, um. My country, Myanmar. Is it Myanmar? Myanmar. Myanmar. Myanmar seems to be an impenetrable fortress right now. We're not getting in there. We're not. Especially now that they're blacking out internet. But, we have a uh, lot of Thailand. Like, yeah. That's pretty weird. We get <clears throat> we get on the charts in Thailand Hell sometimes. yeah. I want to be there. Yeah, for sure. And we probably shouldn't be saying we want to be on the other country. It's probably their arch rival. Yeah, Myanmar. <laughs> I just want to be uh, number one in any country. Yeah. Angola. Angola, could we could we breach that? Maybe I'm working on it. What if you're number one in Uganda? I feel like that'd be your your holy grail. That would be pretty fucking yeah. cool if yeah. we got number one in Uganda charts. That would be pretty <laughs> fucking cool. Do you think the leader would be after us? No, no, nah. I'd I'd said pretty nice stuff about him. <laughs> I mean, I said he was an asshole. The new guy, Museveni. You mean? Uh, he's he's a bit of an asshole. But uh, I said he saves face with the Western world by playing ball games with them. Hey, you know? look, you know those guys are just like, they hear that and like, well, yeah, I kind of am. I think they like having mm-hmm. the legend stoked. I think they like having their fire stoked oh, a little absolutely. bit. absolutely. Yeah. Egomania. When you got that big of an ego, I, absolutely. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. My name has been Adam. I've had a, a load of fun talking to you today. That's been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. All right, everybody. You know what to do. Have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. Check your blood in your heart. Check your heart blood. (laughs) 